Welcome to New Life with Adam Camp. This podcast is a ministry of Rosemont Baptist Church in LaGrange, Georgia. Please visit us on the web at rosemontchurch.org. Enjoy the podcast. I just want to very quickly reiterate something Philip said about Easter. This is, the, this is the first Easter in a number of years that it has not fallen either at the beginning or the end of spring break. And that's a big deal uh, for us because of the number of people that will be there and the number of people that will, uh, will need to serve. And so just, just, again, pray for that. Pray that God would use you in um, service that day or whatever he'd call you to do. That, that, that would be just an incredible opportunity for us to, to reach people that we don't normally reach. Uh, people will be there on Easter that won't be there any other time of the year. And we have this just in, in my mind. And Father, we thank you for the truth of your word. It is life-changing. Lord, it is foundational. May we make decisions and live our lives based on it, Lord. As we think about wisdom this morning, help us to understand, Lord, the difference between earthly wisdom and godly wisdom. Father, may we take that, the wisdom from, from your word, the wisdom from heaven, apply it to our lives, and live our lives in such a way that we'll bring you honor and glory, Father, through the power of the Spirit. Study and understand Take your Bibles and open to James chapter 3. James chapter 3. We are continuing our study this morning in the sermon series that we've entitled Faith in Action. It's a study through the book of James, and we're going verse by verse trying to pull out truth, pull out understanding. And the thing that we've seen really from the beginning is that James is extremely practical in his writing. And so if you haven't been with us for a while, this is your first Sunday with us, we've entitled this Faith in Action because your faith should have action. Christianity is not passive. It's not enough to sit and and watch and be a spectator. I was reading through one of my commentaries this week and I read this. The Bible nowhere places much value on knowledge that remains merely intellectual. Nothing is known until it also reshapes the life. I thought that's a good way to kind of think about what we're studying in this book because it's not enough just to know it. Not enough for it to be intellectual. It's not enough to have the the head knowledge. It begins there, but at some point it has to become heart knowledge and it has to be fleshed out. And so we, we, on a regular basis as we study through this, compare what James says with our lives and we ask ourselves the question, am I living up to the standards of the Word of God? And so James last week challenged us with our tongues, the things that we say. I had a couple of interesting conversations this week with people that told me that was a challenge for them. It was a good week that they heard it because things had happened in their life this last week or upcoming and they need to be reminded of the things they say. And James never says it's easy. James never says it's something that happens naturally. But James challenged us last week, listen, you need to be careful the things you say. Your tongue and the words that you use are like a rudder on a ship. And even though it's very small, it really controls where you go and what you do and the way people interact with you. And so he just cautioned us last week, control your tongue, guard your tongue, be careful of the things that you're going to say. Now today he's going to challenge us with wisdom. 
And he's going to make a very clear distinction that we're going to see in our study this morning between earthly wisdom and the wisdom that comes from the Lord. And so we're going to look this morning and understand what biblical wisdom is and really what that ought to look like in action in our lives. So James chapter 3, beginning in verse 13, we're going to finish out this chapter and kind of think through it together this morning. We have it on the screen. You can follow along in your Bibles as well. We're going to look at just one verse first and then make some comments and pull out some truth. James chapter 3 verse 13. Who is wise and understanding among you? Which, by the way, is an interesting question to begin. By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. Let me give you truth number one, and then I want to think about it together just for a few minutes. Here's truth number one. Our wisdom is demonstrated in our actions. Our wisdom is demonstrated in our actions. Now, James begins with a very interesting question. Who is wise and understanding among you? And and I bet if we went went around the room and asked that question, we probably could name some people, even within this congregation, within this church service, that we believe are wise. But James then puts this interesting distinction at the end of verse 13 there, right? It's not enough just to say who's wise. By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom, right? So James kind of does what he's done already throughout this book. He's given us this challenge that it's not enough just to say it. It's not enough just to think it. It's not enough just to understand it. We need to show it. And so James says that if you want to talk about somebody that's wise, look at their life. Look at the way they live their lives. If you see a person that demonstrates wisdom in their life, we would say this person is wise. Now I want to kind of make sure we're on the same page before we get too far into this idea of wisdom. Because sometimes there's an earthly understanding of wisdom that we'll think about in a minute, and then there's kind of a heavenly understanding of wisdom. But I want to define the word to make sure we understand what we're talking about. Some people, when they hear the word wisdom, they think about knowledge. Just an intellectual understanding. And we would agree that it begins with some knowledge, but it's more than just knowledge. It's taking that knowledge and that experience and good judgment and translating it into your life. So it's kind of knowing the truth and then applying the truth to your life. One writer explained it like this. Wisdom isn't simply intellectual, excuse me, wisdom isn't simply intelligence or knowledge or even understanding. It's the ability to use these to think and act in such a way that common sense prevails and choices are beneficial and productive. We, we need to know the truth. We need to have the information. We need to have the knowledge. But true wisdom means we take that true information and that true knowledge and we then apply it to our lives. Okay? It's not enough for you to know the right answer if you're not living the right answer. You understand what I'm saying? It's not enough to say the right things if you're not doing the right things. And James has challenged us with this mindset time and time again, and now he's doing it with wisdom. In fact, he kind of started early in his letter as we studied several weeks ago in James chapter 1, verse 5. We talked about this at the time. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. Now, if you wanted to kind of focus in on this idea of wisdom in the scripture, one of the places you could turn would be Proverbs. Some of you have read through the book of Proverbs. Some of you read a Proverbs a day. Just just kind of a side note, a very simple Bible reading plan. There are 31 uh, chapters in the book of Proverbs. That's a chapter a day basically for the month. 
So you can read one chapter a day in Proverbs, and Proverbs is filled with wisdom, and we see verses like Proverbs 3.13, Blessed is the one who finds wisdom and the one who gets understanding. Proverbs 19.20, Let the advice, excuse me, listen to advice and accept instruction that you may gain wisdom in the future. And then Proverbs chapter 9, 10, if you want to kind of understand the heart of wisdom and where it comes from, verse 10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. See, the Scripture would teach us that true wisdom, now we're going to separate this from earthly wisdom, we'll see that in a minute, true wisdom comes only from the Lord. And then James challenges us with this idea, the second part of verse 13. Pull that up again, if if you would, for me, please. He says, who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him, what's the word? Show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But he uses the little phrase, good conduct. Now, that's the ESV. If you've got the King James Version, it uses the word or the phrase, good conversation. I think the NIV says, good life. The, The idea very simply here is that you should demonstrate in your life, this idea of wisdom. Now, if I went around the room right now and I asked you to name the wisest person you've ever met, you probably could name a person. Maybe you'd be a a relative or a teacher or maybe somebody you know now. When I think about wise people, I think about my granddaddy. My granddaddy died when I was younger. I was uh, uh, early part of college and, and, and I wish now I could go back and spend time with him because I was so young when he said so many things to me. I think it just kind of, you know, it just kind of goes in one ear and out the other. I just wish I could spend more time with him now. Because, you know, when you're a kid, granddaddy knows everything anyway, right? He got, he's got all the answers and he knows everything. And then the older you get, it's kind of like parents. Maybe they're not quite as smart as you thought they were. And then you get a little bit older and you realize they're really geniuses and you didn't know it all this time. My, my granddaddy knew all this stuff. And I just saw him in his life not only have the answers to the question, but then apply it to his life, right? That's real wisdom. Like the, the way he treated his family and how he loved his wife and how he loved his children, how he led them in their walk with Christ to, to be faithful in church and how he used his finances for the glory of the Lord. And I just, I see a man who in my mind not only knew these things, but was wise. And, and then I think about this church, And if you've been here a few years, or maybe if you've just been here a few weeks, you may have already met some people that are pretty wise. People that have kind of lived a life of faithfulness to the Lord. And those are the kind of people we want to sit under, aren't they? Those are the kind of people we want to listen to. Those are the kind of people we want to learn from. Why? Because not only do they they have the right answers, but they figured out how to make those answers work in their life. James says, if you want to talk about real wisdom, you need to apply it and live it. So he's going to give us some examples. Look at verse 14 with me, if you would. He's going to contrast now the idea of earthly, ungodly wisdom, false wisdom with true wisdom. Verse 14. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. Where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. Here's the second truth we need to see this morning. False wisdom is jealous and selfish. And so as we kind of, again, what we ought to be doing on a regular basis anytime we study the Word of God is understand the standard of Scripture and compare it to my life. 
So, so James tells me that, that, that a false wisdom is jealous and selfish. I begin to ask myself the question, am I jealous in my life? If so, where? Am I selfish in the way that I treat others? If so, how? What do I need to learn about myself based on these truths? How do I need to change my life so that I'm not characterized by the things that James says? Because James talks about false witness, witness and he uses jealousy and selfish ambition. But then he says these things are unspiritual and even demonic. Those are powerful words, aren't they? Now, now here's what some people do, and so I want to kind of be careful. And this is where the distinction comes, and this is very important for us to understand. Some people would say something like this. You know, I make wise decisions with, with my finances or my career, or you kind of fill in the blank of where your wisdom comes. And I want, I want to be careful here. I'm going to read a quote from a writer that really sums it up. Making good choices on the earth, that, that's a good thing, but that may not be biblical wisdom. Okay, let me, let me read this comment from this author and then we're going to kind of think through this a little bit. He says, no one wants to appear foolish. Sadly, the foolishness that we fear is mostly earthly foolishness. We hate it when our retirement portfolio fares poorly or when we buy a car that later gets a low rating in consumer magazines or when we wear inappropriate clothes to a social occasion. What if we were as concerned about not being foolish with respect to God? Interesting. See, we, we, we know people that are, that are maybe wise with their money or wise with their possessions, and, and those are good things. We're, we're not saying those are wrong, but just because you do those things well doesn't mean you have godly wisdom. So I started thinking about this idea of maybe bad wisdom or bad advice, and I did a little research. And so I want to give you some examples, and I hope you take this for what it's intended. These are kind of silly, but they illustrate an interesting point. I want to give you some examples of bad advice. Now, these are real things, right? I didn't make these up, and I've actually got pictures to prove them. I'm going to read them to you just so you'll kind of understand where I'm coming from. Wanda, that first picture, if you would, please, if you'll pull that up for me. Yeah, let me read. This is a tip. You probably can't read it, but I'm going to read it to you. If you're hosting a dinner party and don't have a lot of cash, make alternative after-dinner mints. Simply freeze a tube of toothpaste. (laughs) Then cut it open and slice the contents into wafer-thin pieces to produce your very own treats. They look cool and will also give your guests fresh breath. That's true, right? That's a good tip. Probably not the best advice. Right? We probably don't. There's another one. Pull, pull the next one up if you would for me, please. This one was good. Right? This is a travel tip, travel toast. When you're on holiday, take a travel iron, not a steam iron with you, and run it over the bread to make toast. It's an easy way to get a home comfort abroad. Not good advice. Don't do that, okay? Don't do that. The third one is my favorite. It's for the children. F is for fire made with logs and a lighter. Throw daddy's wallet in, it'll burn brighter. (laughs) Don't do that, kids. Don't take the lighter and throw it in the fire. I love the the happy fire pictures, the wallet burns and dad's there. These are are bad pieces of advice, okay? And so we, we understand that sometimes there's good advice and sometimes there's bad advice. But I want you to know, I want you to pull up verse 16 for me. Because I want you to notice the effects of false wisdom, right? When we think we're doing well and we think we're practicing good advice, listen to what James says. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. Isn't that interesting? 
Right? So, so if you don't practice godly wisdom, if you're selfish and you're jealous in the way that you live, you can expect disorder. Pull the verse back up for me, please, please. You can, you can expect disorder in every vile practice, right? Jealousy, selfish ambition produces disorder in every vile practice. And so I just started thinking about that, like, like in our homes, what, what would that look like? I, oftentimes when I read scripture and I think about these sorts of things and, and leadership especially, it really begins in the home with our families. And I just thought, if you've got a dad or a husband that does not lead the family in, in a godly manner, maybe he's selfish or he's jealous, you, you can almost guarantee there's going to be disorder in the home. And so, just kind of flip that around a little bit. If you're struggling maybe in your home with disorder and, and bad things, take a step back and look at the leadership in the home. Maybe it's not godly. Same thing with moms. Moms, if you're selfish or jealous, there are going to be problems in the home. And so we kind of begin the process in our own hearts. How do I need to live for Christ? How do I, how do I need to show godly wisdom? One of the things I need to quit doing is being so selfish and jealous. I, I started thinking about the church and when there's not godly leadership, when people are selfish and they think about their own things and they're jealous of the church, problems are going to happen. One writer explained it like this. Disorder is bound to break out in churches where people are pursuing their own selfish concerns and causes rather than the good of the body as a whole. Man, that's a, that right there will, will break up any good church. Now, I would never do this, but I bet we could go around and probably talk about some churches we've been in or churches we know where disorder abounds. Where people are selfish and they're interested in what they want. And when we find that, whether it's in the home or the church or on the job or you kind of fill in the blank, whenever we find this, we find, in the words of James, disorder in every vile practice. And so James has kind of helped us understand, first of all, wisdom, godly wisdom means action. There, there's a wrong sort of earthly wisdom where we, we worry about the wrong sorts of things and we're jealous and we're, we're selfish. Now he's going to contrast that in verse 17. And we're going to spend a little time in these two verses verses because there's an awful lot of truth and an awful lot of application in verses 17 and 18. So let's look at these together. James 3 verse 17. But, right, so here's the contrast. The wisdom from above, which is different than earthly wisdom, is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. Verse 18, and a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. So here's the third truth, and we're going to walk through these individually and apply them to our lives. Truth number three, true wisdom is from the Lord. True wisdom is is from the Lord. Now I want to spend a few minutes in verse 17 because James gives us some practical things to apply to our lives. And so we're going to ask ourselves the question, do we find ourselves in these verses? Are we practicing these things? Are we living these, these out in our faith? And, and the first thing James tells us is that wisdom, first of all, is pure. And so I want to put the two up on the screen there, right? So godly wisdom is pure. And then just a real simple point of application. We must walk in integrity with God and others if we're going to be pure, right? Just, just reading through some of the commentaries to, to define this word pure, it means innocent, morally blameless, unpolluted. John MacArthur said it's spiritual integrity and moral sincerity. It's the idea of being blameless and innocent. And, and so if you want to be 
wise, if you want to show godly wisdom, you need to be pure. And if you're going to be pure, you must walk with integrity around God and others. I, I told this guy, it's Billy Walker. I told him, oh, I'm going to name his name, but I did, Billy. You're going to have to forgive me. Uh, I guess I lied to you. That wasn't very, uh, wasn't integrity on my part. Billy, I'm going to use your name if that's okay with you in this, uh, just to be clear. I told him I wasn't, but I'm going to. Because I want you to hear this story, right? He told me a story this morning, just kind of a funny little uh, off-the-cuff kind of story. But he went to Walmart last week, and he was looking at sunglasses. And he, you know, you have to try on sunglasses, right? And you have to look in the mirror, and you have to see which ones fit. And so he tried a couple pair on, and he put a pair on his hat. And as he, you know, he tried and, and didn't find any like it. He, he bought a few things and left and went home. And when he got almost home, he realized that the sunglasses were still on his hat. And he not paid for him, right? He'd walked out and, and nobody knew it. And so the, the, the easy thing to do is just forget about it, right? It's just a $10 pair of sunglasses, cheap pair of sunglasses. Nobody's going to care. But Billy instead went back to Walmart and paid for the sunglasses. And he said the people at the counter were just amazed, like, why did you do this, right? Well, because he's a man of integrity. That's what integrity looks like. It's when maybe nobody else knows or it may seem like an insignificant thing to the world, but we decide it's just the right thing to do and we're going to do it. I, I tell my kids a lot of times, listen, you do the right thing even if nobody else does. It's, it's, it's irrelevant what the rest of the world does because worldly wisdom says one thing. Godly wisdom says you need to be pure. You need to walk with integrity. You need to live a life that is honoring to the Lord. James says, this is godly wisdom. The next thing he says is peaceable. So the next slide says, godly wisdom leads to peace. We must live at peace with others. Now here's a kind of a simple way to judge that. When you kind of walk into a room, does the conversation maybe get more peaceful or get a little more heated? Because some people are just really good at stirring things up and causing issues and people's tempers begin to flare because you're now involved in the conversation. Or when you walk in, is there a sense of peace? And how often do we kind of start arguments with others? How often do we stir things up? How often are we forgiving and, and apologizing to people because we've been wrong? Right, the Bible tells us, James tells us, godly wisdom tells us that we need to live at peace with others the way we conduct ourselves. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Man, I, I just feel like, and, I, and I've said this before, and I talked about the home just a few minutes ago, I feel like the home ought to be a place of peace. It's not always, and that doesn't mean every moment's going to be peaceful, because there are issues, and we deal with things, and, and you, you have children, you get all that, but, but the home ought to be basically a place of peace if there's godly leadership that's possible. But James says you need to walk with integrity, you need to walk with peace, and as we continue through that verse, he says you need to be gentle. So godly wisdom is gentle. Be gentle in words, in actions, and in attitude. Right? How gentle are we sometimes when we use our words? This kind of goes back to what James said last week. Are we harsh in the things we say? Are we angry in the things we say? Are we gentle in our words, in our actions, in our attitude? You know, sometimes we, we, we find ourselves in a conversation and we may be right... 
and the other person may very clearly be wrong, but that doesn't mean we can't be gentle in the things we say. Doesn't mean we can't be peaceful in the things we say. Now, you know just like I do that sometimes we're not always gentle in our words. Sometimes we say things in anger. We, we say things in bitterness. Sometimes we allow our tongues to get the best out of it. James says, you know what? That's not godly wisdom. And, and so one of the things we understand through this process of, of living a life of godly wisdom is that, you know, if we mess one of these things up, we need to fix it. If we say something that's not gentle, or we have actions that are not gentle, or our attitude is not gentle, we need to fix it. Maybe that's repentance to the Lord. Maybe that's repentance to that other person. Maybe it's going and saying, you know what, I, I kind of messed this up. I shouldn't have said it like this. That's godly wisdom. Earthly wisdom says you just need to be harsh and rude and get the job done. That's not what Christ teaches. James says that there's great wisdom in our gentleness. And, and then the next thing, open to reason. So the next slide, godly wisdom is open to reason. That means we listen to others, talk less, and listen more. Man, this, this is one that I struggle with. I'll be very honest with you. Because I like to be right. Anybody else, anybody else struggle with that a little bit? Yeah? Nobody. Good. Okay, I'm the only one. Well, I struggle sometimes with wanting to be right. And I'm not always interested in listening to reason. Because I, I make my mind up. And I have a little too much pride and I want to be right. And even if you're right, I don't want to admit you're right. And so sometimes I'll, I'll make a fool of myself arguing even though I know I'm wrong, but I want to sound right. I'm not open to reason sometimes. I don't listen to others. James says, you know, you need to talk less. And he said this a couple of weeks ago. You need to talk less and listen more and be willing to listen to what other people say. Right? You, you, you know you're not doing a good job of this in a conversation. If you're so busy thinking about the next thing you're going to say, you don't hear what the person just said to you. You ever done that? If you're ever kind of in a heated discussion and you're trying to win the argument, oftentimes you're more interested in the next salvo you're going to fire across the bow than you are listening to what they have to say. That's not being open to reason. James says, if you want to live a life of godly wisdom... You need to be open to read. You need to listen to what people say. You need to listen to what they're saying. You need to talk a lot less. You need to listen a lot more. And, and then James moves into the next section, right? Full of mercy and good fruits, right? Godly wisdom is full of mercy and good fruits. So an application, right? We forgive others' mistakes and sins and don't live with anger and bitterness. This is a tough one for a lot of people. A lot of you are going to find yourself right there. Because you have a hard time forgiving other people. And so when you don't forgive somebody, you know what that causes to, to grow within your heart, right? Bitterness towards that person. Anger towards that person. And if you've ever known somebody that lives with anger or, or lives with bitterness and doesn't display mercy, doesn't display forgiveness, that bitterness will literally just eat that person alive. You've known that person. And they, they become, it seems like, more bitter and, and more angry as time passes, Right? James says, don't, don't live like that. Don't, don't live in a manner that's not merciful, right? If you have trouble forgiving others, just remember how much Christ forgave you. It's amazing how, how quick we are to want the Lord to forgive us and we're not very quick to forgive others. It's amazing how we justify our own actions and sometimes we want to look at others as if they've done something terribly wrong, right? James says, be careful here. Be careful. Show mercy. And then when that happens, guess what? Fruit's going to grow. People are going to see the good fruits grow within your life. And then he finishes up here with this idea of impartial and sincere. 
Right, so godly wisdom is impartial and sincere. Be sincere, mean what you say, be real and not fake, right? Don't, don't play games with people. You know that person that kind of plays games with you and they're not completely honest, right? And they try to manipulate you and manipulate the situation. James says, you know, we don't, we don't need that. Let's just be honest and sincere and mean what we say. Let's not be fake. Let, let's be real with each other. Let's have the conversations and let's just allow the Lord to work. That's godly wisdom. See, earthly wisdom would say, you need, you need to kind of structure the situation so you can win. And you don't have to tell the whole truth. You know, tweak it a little bit so it makes you sound better and you can win and get what you want. That's not godly wisdom. That's not wisdom from above. James says, we need to be careful how we're living our lives. And I want you to notice the result. This is beautiful to me. Pull up verse 18 if you would, please. This is my favorite part. James says, when you do these things and a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace, then by those who, excuse let me say that again. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Right? James says, if, you, if you'll live a life of, of godly uh, wisdom, of seeking the Lord, of trusting the Lord, of living in peace, of living a, a life of integrity, if you'll be honest, if you'll forgive others, if you'll be sincere, if you'll be impartial, if you'll be open to reason and gentle and full of mercy, and all the things he says, if you'll live a life like that, then you'll produce a harvest of righteousness. What, what a beautiful picture of what our life could be like. You know, it's, it's kind of inching towards spring and it, it feels a little bit more like spring because it's a little bit warmer than it usually is this time of year. And we're about to start our garden out here again this year and going to plow it up. And I'm going to make a real obvious comment to you, but it, but, it, but it applies to this scripture. You know, when you do a garden and you till up the soil and you get everything ready, when you plant corn, guess what's going to grow right there? Corn. When you plant beans, guess what's going to grow right there? Beans. You know, you plant tomatoes, guess what's going to grow right there? Tomatoes. Now just follow this. This is awfully important for you to hear. When you plant bitterness, guess what you're going to reap? Bitterness. When you plant anger, guess what's going to come up? Anger. When, when you plant unrighteousness, guess what's going to come back? Unrighteousness. James says, be very careful in the lives you live in. The, in the fertile soil of the lives of the people that live around you, your, your family, your children, your spouse, your friends, your neighbors, the people in your Sunday school class, the people in church. When you plant into their lives these bad things, these earthly, demonic things, all those things are going to come back to you. But if you'll plant a garden of love and forgiveness and mercy and grace and gentleness and all the things that James tells us to do, we will reap from that, we'll harvest from that this garden of righteousness. That is such a beautiful picture to me. Because it's easy for us to, 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 to say hateful and to be hateful and the bitterness and the anger and, and the Lord says, James says, listen, just be careful here what you sow, you're going to reap. Live a life of hope and love and peace and gentleness. Be full of mercy. Good fruit will show. Be sincere and trustworthy. And when you do that, he says, watch, just watch. As a harvest of righteousness grows all around you for the glory of the Lord. Are you living your life for Christ? Are you living out Christ-like and godly wisdom? 
Are you planting love and hope and joy and righteousness? Because if you do, the Lord will bless you and use you and your life will be filled with hope and joy and peace and you'll see a harvest of righteousness that the Lord will use for his honor and for his glory. That's who we ought to be in our lives. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the truth of your word. It's again very clear, Lord, and challenging and convicting, and it just reminds us of who we ought to be and how we ought to live. Lord, may, may we be wise in your eyes, being pure and, and at peace and, and gentle, Father, with those that are around us. May we be sincere and open to reason and all the things that James talks about. May those things dictate our lives and how we live. Not what the world says, not, not the earthly wisdom, but the, the, the godly wisdom that comes from above. And then as we do that, Father, whether it's, whether it's within our homes or our places of business or a social setting or whatever that looks like, Father, may we see a harvest of righteousness. Lord, just a harvest of hope and truth and love and joy all around us. And when that happens, Father, I pray you would use those moments and use those opportunities to display your glory and display your power and to further your kingdom. Father, let us be a part of that process as we plant righteousness throughout our day and throughout our lives. Father, may it come back to us in your glory. We love you and serve you in all things. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. You can stand. The altar is always open. You can spend some time in prayer where you are. You can come speak to me. You can pray the altar. Your opportunity to respond as we sing together. Thank you for joining today's sermon. We would love to hear how today's message blessed you. Use the Contact Us link on our website at rosemontchurch.org. God bless.